Hello and welcome. I'm so grateful you're here. I'm your host, Meg Berryman, and this is the Beyond Being Well podcast. Here at the show, we are passionate about helping you. Helping you build deep relationships with yourself, the earth, and others. Helping you foster a deep, embodied sense of well-being and empowerment. Helping you slow down, work sustainably, and consume mindfully. And helping you create social change from the inside out. So settle in, get cosy, and let's get straight on with the episode. Hey, and welcome back to the podcast. It's your host, Meg, and... I wanted to just thank all of you who are jumping online and giving the show a review. Um, It's really important to me that we're growing our community of care, um, which I think, as you know, if you've listened to the show for a while, is a fundamental part of building a regenerative culture and moving from an I culture to a we culture, which is something we talk about in this episode. And so... Uh, What I've just done over on Instagram and Facebook, if you follow me there, it's at Meg J. Berryman on Instagram and Meg Berryman, my business page on Facebook, you'll see that I've just shared the launch schedule for the rest of the year for the School for Sacred Social Leaders. And part of my intention for the rest of this year is to really grow our community and to grow our community of care and to make connections between those of us who care deeply about weaving spirit with social change and sustainability and fostering change from the inside out and doing that wellness and empowerment work for ourselves but ultimately knowing that the more we do that the greater our impact on the collective so if you check out those um, courses coming up you can do that there on my instagram however I would so love it if you could share any podcast episodes that resonate with you with other peeps, share it in your stories on Instagram and tag me or just leave a review because part of my intention is that I want to bring you the best and most inspiring and most incredible people, be they everyday activists, be they change makers, healers, um, coaches, uh, spiritual leaders. I want to bring you all of these conversations that are deeply, deeply moving. Um, and to do that reviews on iTunes really, really helps me to grow the show. So that all being said, I would so love to welcome today's guest, who is an old friend of mine, Steph Woolard. So Steph is the founder and CEO of Seven Women, um, which is a not-for-profit working in Nepal around women's empowerment. She's also a speaker. She's also um, just an incredible people person and makes me laugh every single time we hang out. So in this conversation, I asked Steph about her journey to social leadership um, and how she's weaving spirit within that. So I really hope you enjoy the show and feel free to reach out and connect with me um, if you've got any questions. Otherwise, here's my conversation with Steph. Steph, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. I'm so happy to be having this conversation. So I was reflecting before um our chat that we met was it probably 10 years ago or was it longer yeah more probably um yeah longer than that (laughs) 
goodness. But then our families knew each other as well. And so we met for the first time when we were volunteering in the Northern Territory. But then, as it turns out, you knew my mum and um, the stars definitely brought us together and have brought us back together today to have this conversation. So I'm super grateful. And I wanted to start by asking the question that I ask everyone that comes on the show, and that is, what is the change that you want to see in the world and how are you currently moving toward that? That's a great question. Um, <clears throat> so the change that I would love to see is for everyone to um, see the truth and be able to connect to their personal truth by aligning with, um, you know, the, the life force, which is not always um, supported by the matrix and society and what society deems as success. So um, I think my my wish for everyone would be to to see that truth and live from their truth and, and connect with themselves and the land. And that became very clear to me around the time that I met you actually, Meg, when we were volunteering in um, Daily River together. I um, previously lived in a tiny homeland called Doinji um, with incredible Indigenous people living there who, you know, my takeaway from it was that they're so connected to who they are and their, their identity and their culture and the land. And it just, I was blown away by it because it was the first experience I'd had as a as a 20-year-old with people that were so connected. And I remember thinking to myself, I always want to stay connected to, to who I am and to the environment around me. And I've taken that on kind of in what I've done um, after that. So that that's, I, you know, I think if more people are connected to who they are and the land, it's obviously healthier societies, healthier people, and um, it would shift the current status quo that we're living in that is obviously not working for people with their, in their anxiety levels and all the technology and the, the suicides and all that stuff that comes from being disconnected. Oh, I love it. I just got like chills right up the right side of my body as you were talking um, because it feels very much as though these conversations that are starting to be had by many of us who have been tapped on the shoulder either through burnout or through crises or through relationship breakdowns or through um, career crises or whatever it is, I I don't even see that as... Um, like a bad thing I actually think it's like the collective <laughs> source or whatever you want to call it tapping us on the shoulder and being like hey this isn't right like this doesn't feel right this isn't the way and just that idea of reconnecting and being at the heart of your work feels really powerful um and I wonder whether you could share a little bit about your journey to be seeing change from this perspective because I know you were a change maker from kind of a very young age and I just want to know in your words like how your view of changing the world has changed over those years. Yeah, um, I was uh, always a very restless teenager. My mum was actually telling me about this yesterday, very restless and very dissatisfied at the world and um, school and um, I'd, I'd always get very involved in all the activities and I wanted to, I was kind of hungry for learning and to to experience as many things as possible so I could find where that would land me, what 
action wasn't what I wanted to, wanted to do. But I always, um, things kind of didn't quite make sense to me. And I feel like a lot of teenagers, you know, would resonate with that. And so I was on this kind of search and I feel like I was on the search up until um, January this year when I when I did this incredible seminar that I was telling you about before. But, um, you know, when, when you're tuned in, I think some people that are um, spiritually tuned in and they know that something's off, but it's like poking around in the dark because where, where do you look? Where do you go? How do you find truth in this, um, you know, insanity that is around us? And so I knew that I wanted to make a difference from an early age and I had the, um, I, I was on the search. And I think when you are on that path and you are searching life, presents you with different opportunities and I would just run with them. So I was volunteering for any organisation that would <laughs> take me um, after high school and uh, one of those experiences was going with an anthropologist to the homeland community called Doinji and then I learnt all about, you know, the social injustice that exists in Aboriginal communities and, and some of the things that they are grappling with. But I couldn't see... Um, an opportunity there to, to work in that space. So I thought I'll, I'll go overseas and I'll visit a um, developing country that I'd been inspired about at school by my geography teacher. And um, and so I was asking around to everyone and anyone, does anyone know a good, you know, volunteering organisation I could go overseas with or do a trip? So that was um, Nepal. I had a family friend who said, you know, you should go to Nepal with Duke of Ed. So I... Um, I was off to Nepal then for a three-month stint and was really moved and inspired by the generosity of the Nepalese people on that tour. And um, I was that kind of nightmare group member um, that would keep kind of venturing off while the group was digging the foundations for a school in the village. It was like my group leader was like constantly looking for me where, where I was. But I was in different houses, the locals drinking tea, and I, I was... You know, fiercely curious to get to know the local people and the culture and um, in that was incredibly moved and inspired when I came home at just the the parallel opposites of um, life in Nepal and Australia and one of the things that I noticed was um, the you know the different um, I think they call it the, the nucleus family where it's just the your mum dad and your brothers and sisters whereas in Nepal it was the whole community was part of the the um, family and um, so that was that's been the last kind of 13 10 13 years of my life I on the back of one of those trips I went back as a um, a leader for groups of architects with Duke of Ed and I stayed on for a couple of weeks and when I was um, in the back streets of Kathmandu you know the tiny winding streets I saw this woman who who was physically disabled and carrying two heavy bags and I kind of, um, being my curious self, followed her and um, she turned into this tiny tin shed where there were seven disabled women who were um, operating out of this tin shed making candles and soaps and after hearing their stories uh, of you know, what, what that meant for them in Nepal being disabled, um, I thought, how can I help? So there was one of the women in the tin shed, um, Sangeeta, spoke broken English and I was asking what the women were doing and she said because they're physically disabled in Nepal, there's a belief that they were evil in a past life and that they um, are bad luck to, to be associated with basically. So they're making these 
candles, which I thought was um, a, a great idea at the time because there were there was load shedding, so electricity cuts every day. So that was a very lucrative business and, and a clever idea that they were making these um, candles. But because of the way that they looked, they weren't um, getting very far doing that. So um, that's, that's what started the organisation that I've been um, running for the last 13 years called Seven Women. And now it's educated, trained and employed um, five and a half thousand women in Nepal. So um, the... That's that led me on a very different journey, I suppose, to to the the corporate office job, and it's allowed me to live my passion and purpose as well. Mm, I love it. I love hearing that story because I've actually never heard you share it because um, our chats always seem to venture off in other directions. So that's really beautiful to hear, and um, also just sparking my curiosity in terms of what you learnt through the process of birthing seven women and um really getting it to a point where and now I understand it's run um, and managed kind of predominantly in country and I know it's been through various iterations and I just wonder whether you've had a chance to reflect on what you've learned about change making in that process yeah yeah um what you were saying before about you know, doors um, opening and closing and sometimes you're trying to um, achieve a goal and it's just not happening. And so with um, working in a country like Nepal, that has very much been the journey. I remember in the beginning try to, trying to start the – so I had about $200 left and we decided to pay for two trainers to come and train the women in skills and there was a lot of – challenges um in the beginning probably for the first five six years in developing a business in a country where you're working with the women who are illiterate in in terms of quality control of the products and um it was really starting from ground zero and putting all the systems in place and developing managers for the center and um and some of the women that were kind of coming to us were very stressed because of their life circumstance so being able to work when they're um when they're stressed and things like that so there was a lot to deal with initially and um so it it kind of forced me in a way to go with the flow and there's a lot of unexpected things as anyone you know with anyone that starts a business that pop up but in Nepal you know times a hundred so we always went with the flow we never had any five-year big business plans we just you know one step at a time okay this challenge has come up how do we get over that and it was very much life guiding us because you know you'd you'd have an idea and you'd go down that track and then you'd get you know there would be no opening and there'd be no it was going nowhere so you'd you'd think of another idea and you'd kind of take it down that track and it would be you know you get the right meet the right people and the right opportunities um the whole way so I think I'm a big believer in, um, you know, life guides you by not making things happen or making things happen. And we are just talking before about um, getting to, to flow. And I think when you trust that, then, you know, you you succeed because you're actually trusting life and you're seeing seeing your path as well. Um, I hope that connection is, is clear. 
But um, I just wanted to talk about meeting the women in the tin shed initially because I think what urged me into action was um, the, seeing these seven women who were incredible and all I could see was their potential. Um, yeah. You know, they were smart, they were making candles, they'd identified that opportunity. They're, um, you know, mentally they were fine. They had a few physical disabilities but I, I didn't even, it, it's, it's kind of like, what can we do with the resources that we have? And the thing that urged me into action was just that um, belief that their environment held about them and that they were, you know, had labelled them evil in a past life and that had actually completely squashed their spirit. And so they, you know, they began to embody that belief and they began to have those limitations and internalise that belief from society. And... I, I was um, 22 at the time and, you know, luckily I'd come from a completely different um, set of beliefs and I'd travelled a little bit. So I, I knew that it's just, um, you know, cultures that have developed over time by people and, and norms that had kind of formed over time and that could be changed because, you know, times need to change and, and people actually create these beliefs. So that, um, I suppose, as an outsider, we have potential where we can come into a situation and go actually this belief that society holds is not conducive to um these women reaching their potential so let's see what we can do to to change and shift this and that was the the i suppose the additional um perspective that i had and the freedom that i had coming from australia to to create you know and i just wanted to be able to change that for the initial seven women so they could reach their human potential and it's so um you and I have had a few conversations I guess separately around development and um and development practices and I know that you also run um development tours to educate um to educate I guess people coming from different countries about what empowerment looks like as opposed to charity and what um self-determination looks like and I think that the reason I wanted to bring you on the show um, is because I know you value and have always valued that potential and that you've seen your role as an ally in um, uplifting that potential with the resources and the privilege that you have access to rather than you determining for them, I guess, what they want. And I wonder whether you can talk a little bit about that and how that's evolved within seven women during the time you've been at the helm um, just in terms of challenging, I guess, our perceptions in the West of um, what development is and what charity is and how we can assist and where you're kind of landed now in terms of how we can use our strengths to assist others in lots of different capacities. Mm. Um, I just. I just wanted to mention something before I forget it. I remember, um, May, I was thinking when I was thinking about this podcast, I was thinking about um, you and what you do and your role and also how you've supported me on the journey, although it was, you know, we haven't seen each other a lot. But the thing that has really um, moved and inspired me along the way is, you know, when people are living their passion and path and they're going for it because it takes a lot of courage to take that initial step. Um, people that you meet along the way that that help you and support you and do whatever they can to, you know, 
see you kind of succeed and you're I know you're definitely one of those people because I remember in um Malaysia when we went to the Women Deliver conference you know even helping us get a booth to sell the products that was that was super exciting by the way I'd forgotten about that that we've met in Malaysia we've met all over the world in Burma and Malaysia and yeah yes (laughs) yeah but just um just people along the way like yourself that um support others in their journey and do whatever they can to you know I know that was quite small but not really like you had a booth there for um for, what was it, ACFID that you were working no, for? No, I was with the government at the, at the time, with AusAid, yeah. With AusAid and there was an opportunity that there was a, you know, a little stall next to it and those sorts of things mean so much when you're putting everything on the line to to, to create something and to make something successful. So um, thanks for that as well. But um, I've, I've completely forgotten the question now but I just want to, I just remembered that yesterday and I wanted to say thank you because it is about um I think people that do that are taken care of by life because it's you're you're actually helping people reach their human potential and you're you're contributing outside of yourself to you know the bigger whole and the more people that would um live their passion and purpose and and be supported along the way the better for everybody it's kind of is what I was asking right because I was asking about how you've um I guess through your time with seven women like you've managed to use your privilege and your position and your strengths in order to uplift others but you've never been kind of of the intention to determine or save others necessarily and I think there's a difference, there's a nuance with that, with our change making and as, and as kind of social leaders, how we come at someone, whether we're coming toward them from a view of wanting to fix them because we see their weakness as opposed to how I can use my resources and privilege to lift them up. I think mm-hmm. there's a really defined nuance there. And what the, the example that you just gave about the fact that I was in a position of privilege at that time within the context that I was working for and me being able to offer that space to you being so not a big deal at all in my head, but within where you were in the organisation at that time, like I think that's a that's mm. kind of an example, right, of I, I didn't see the fact that you didn't have a booth as anything, but I was in a position to help and I could see the potential. Um, mm. do, you know what, do you know what I mean? There's yeah, a difference. Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. And it was um, when I, I, I actually had the... Um, the amazing experience in Nepal of being able to see organisations that were working and organisations that were weren't and it was very clear to me that um, the ones that were creating real and lasting change were the ones that were actually building capacity in the people and not creating reliance or dependency actually, um, you know, because that, that's the whole thing behind Seven Women, freedom, freedom. The women need freedom, um, independence, financial independence to... Um, reach their human potential no one's going to reach their human potential if they're dependent on others for their basic needs and I think the charity world has moved um the dialogue has shifted dramatically since I started seven women but I had the experience of visiting different organizations and seeing that for myself which you know nothing's more powerful than that lived experience and I I always thought it um it was fascinating as well being surrounded by you know networks of social entrepreneurs in in the last decade, I it was always clear to me that 
social entrepreneurs, um, it's it's deeply connected to who they are and 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 what they're wanting to break through in their own lives. And for me, I suppose when I met the seven women in the tin shed, they were alone, they were isolated, they were disconnected. And I suppose um, not to a, not to an extent that it was. Um, you know, painful for me at the time, but I did feel a little bit disconnected, I suppose, when I was um, a teenager because a lot of things about the world didn't make sense to me and I I always had that deep desire to make a difference and I suppose when I met the initial women, I thought, no, um, they, these women actually, you know, have huge potential and this is where it's at rather than, you know, the mainstream that believed that, that they were um, evil in a past life. So I wanted to kind of prove that they weren't. And I think um, my my mum's a naturopath and I've been brought up on natural medicine. And so I saw a lot of, um, you know, criticism towards natural medicine as well that my mum had to deal with. And it was just that kind of wanting to show the world that actually, no, you guys are on the wrong track. This is actually the truth. <laughs> So um, that was deeply connected to helping the women as well because it's all it's all part of it. We're all on this journey where you know the ones that um, have seen the truth and know that the matrix is not the answer. We we need to show we need to continue on that path and show people that actually this is the way that we need to be thinking to connect to ourselves and connect to the environment. So I hope that makes sense. It's kind of it makes total sense and it's something I'm banging on about all the time of like the work we do within ourselves as in our personal work to move through those disconnects like as you said you being able to process and and understand your teenage years has enabled you to show up more fully for others and I think that what I see a lot of in the charity development spaces is people that want to fix other people so they don't have to take responsibility for themselves. And I think that when we come at this work through that dual consciousness of when I heal whatever it is in myself that's um, that's disconnected and I do that work, then I'm shifting that in the collective and then I'm able to include and hold space for other people in those periods of disconnection too without needing to fix them or change them or like, it's, it's a different quality of energy when you're leading from that place of congruence and having done the work internally than when you're using your change-making work in the world to bypass something or or fix something within yourself or or to be like, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? To be like, I'm going to fix yeah. you so I don't have to fix myself or something. That's what the yeah. energy feels like. That's um, beautifully articulated. I think that's that's exactly right. And I think awareness, you know, um, the awareness is key for people working in the development sector because it's it is um, it's almost like a distraction and not really helping if it's if it's all about the person who's helping and them trying to to help you know external factors rather than um, look at themselves. And um, I think that. You know, actions and words uh, are one thing, but actually the ultimate difference is who you're being and the energy that you're 
putting out there? Is there anything coming from you? Is there positive energy that is um, impacting others? Because that that is the most powerful way to make a difference. If you're if you're totally filled up with life force and you're tapping into that energy from within, you can make the ultimate difference. It's not actually about you know giving two hundred dollars to someone who's homeless, or it's it's actually the shift is going to come from people connecting to to who they are. Yes. Oh, I love it. I need you to come and teach in the school. This is what this is what we're doing, and it's so exciting to hear other people reflecting it back. Um, and my personal belief is that the more each of us individually, especially those of us with privilege, do that, take take that responsibility to be the change and to embody those qualities that we want to see, then the less we're going to be waiting around in victim or victimhood or paralysis for someone to save us when the government is not going to. <laughs> like no one is going to save us and so we need to be willing to shift that experience within our own selves. I really believe that and if, and if a great number of us do that, then that does make a difference. And you having been through your own journey around being a change maker and being a leader and being a social entrepreneur and being in those circles to hear you say actually the most powerful difference you can make is on an embodied level, that's really powerful because you've lived, I think, the experience that most people would have loved to have around being that kind of change maker. Um, so there's a book called The um, Entrepreneur and I heard this guy talk at a conference last year. It's called Confessions of a Corporate Insurgent and he worked for um, corporates for a long time and he was trying to implement kind of this vision that he had that the corporates would volunteer for a few days out of the week and they would do this um, partner with different you know, NGOs and things like that. And he said that he was doing that for 10 years in his role, which was a very good role, but it was like he didn't have the support around him to to support the idea to happen. So it was like, you know, walking up a very um, steep hill for a very long time. And he said one day he just, like, he was just kind of overseas for a, a business meeting and he just cracked and he ended up in a mental asylum, this guy. and um, he writes in his book, I, I kind of was reading his book and he wrote this sentence that really stuck with me and it was like, oh, my God, yes. And it says um, in the book, did I really go nuts or was it the system that's insane? Or to put it another way, might madness in fact be the sanest response to a system that has indeed gone crazy? And I just thought, wow, how interesting to hear about his experience and to hear that reflection that he had about him, you know, just cracking under the pressure that obviously wasn't working for him I totally relate to that because I honestly think that the system makes you feel like if you can't keep up there's something wrong with you and we get stuck then in a shame response as opposed to what I personally believe that that those circumstances are like a portal to self-healing and therefore collective healing planetary healing um, instead of seeing those as invitations, we go into this shame spiral like there must be something wrong with me because everyone else seems to be able to do this and everyone else has the capacity to just live this life. So what's wrong with me? And I totally relate to that quote. And I I so appreciate you sharing it for me personally, but also for those listening. I um mm, and it, 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 
I was just going to say, it it also highlights why what you're doing is so critical because the environment that he was in was not supporting him. So if you don't have like-minded people around you that actually get you and get the change you're trying to bring, it's very difficult to keep it up for, you know, he was doing it for 10 years and that's the result that, that he got. So by you bringing women together and, and, you know, having the feeling that there is a supportive environment, there are others out there that are like-minded is absolutely critical. And I suppose I've been doing that in my own way with the, the, the tours to Nepal to bring people out of their um, everyday lives and bring them to a country so different, so dramatically different like Nepal to see a different existence and a, a different way of life. And I was lucky to have that comparison at a young age because I could then see what I loved in Nepal and see that different reality and and think to myself I want that I want to bring that back to Australia and integrate that into my life and make that part of who I am and how I operate you know the generosity that you see over in Nepal and um, it's the whole you know eastern philosophy of not being about the I and then you come back to countries like Australia and it is very focused around the I what am I going to do in future what am I going to achieve uh, whereas it, it's it's very collective over there. Mm, which is kind of, um, I, I was listening to a podcast this morning and talking about that the I, that the capitalist I, um, that construction is basically, you know, at the root of it because the construction of I means that there is disconnect from everyone else and everything else and the planet around us. And so I think anything to move back to a we place is really, really important. And I know you're not only doing it through your tours, but now you're speaking and and you're traveling a lot. Are you able to share in those um, conversations and in your speaking gigs, like what do you share in those and how do you connect with people in those situations? Yeah, so ultimately um, through the – I'm speaking at a lot of different conferences and it's it's taken me um, to all sorts of different countries, which is incredible and I absolutely love meeting new people and speaking to, you know, in different contexts. And um, I really want to use that life's giving me this platform. So I want to use it to, um, you know, aspire to inspire the audiences to connect and I think um, sometimes all it takes is um, a bit of inspiration from someone that you see who's gone out there and followed their dream and passion to to do that yourself. And I remember, um, you know, I, th- I think once you get that inspiration, you decide, okay, I'm, I'm kind of on the path, then life presents you with different opportunities and it, it kind of helps you strengthen that and, and make that decision. So that that's that's one kind of, purpose and um the you know the, the platform of being able to speak in front of hundreds of people I, I want to make the most of that and use what we've created in Nepal as as an example of what that can look like because obviously I'm no different than anyone else I've just I think anyone with enough determination and belief in their vision can achieve anything um and that's that's what we need more of in the world but ultimately I would um love people that are wanting to make that connect to do this incredible seminar that I did in the Bahamas in January because it was um, basically a fast track to 
making that connection and getting in the state of flow and making making things happen and connecting to yourself and the environment around you. So I've been telling a lot of people about that um, seminar because I am so privileged to have stumbled across it. Um, yeah. So so the 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 I think the platform that life gives you, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm I'm using that to share yeah, this message and on on the seminar there was a really um tony quinn the guy who runs it mentioned a quote that kind of stuck with me and it was our reality today is a direct reflection of the collective consciousness which is basically common sense but the way he put it just set the light bulb off and it was like oh my goodness of course it is the reality that we see in the world today with the you know, the wars and all the rest of it and, and also the positive stuff is a direct re- reflection or result of the, the, the consciousness, the state of people's minds and what they decide to create. So um, he was basically saying that we, how much have we evolved or have we evolved at all? Because m- millennia ago and, you know, years and years ago, different civilizations they maybe they didn't have as much technology or knowledge, but they were more spiritually connected. And um, I think, you know, through linguistics and the, the language that's been lost and all the rest of it, we've lost a lot of that and we need to actually get back to that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's um, it, it takes me back to the, where we started this conversation around connection and finding connection. And I think, like, as Australians, it's a really interesting that a lot of us have um, in our DNA a trauma of displacement, right, of um, we were both displaced and we displaced others. And so this sense of home and truth and place and connection, for me it's really interconnected and we talked about next year, you know, me going back and tracing some of those threads energetically to understand what, my spiritual technologies and practices were not so I don't have to appropriate someone else's, but that I have an understanding of, of what those rituals were. And I, and I know them because they make sense to me, like some of the pagan rituals and using herbs and all of those things that make sense to me because that was from my place, but we've been displaced. And so I just think that any of this work to, um, to find self, to know self, to appreciate self, um, and then to have the courage to share yourself with others. Like for me, that is um, how we're going to shift culture and that idea of like the collective consciousness is creating our reality and we as individuals create cultures and societies. So change the individual, change the consciousness in the individual or change the understanding of consciousness in the individual and you change society like that makes total sense to me because I've seen it mm-hmm. in myself and others um yeah. don't know where I was going with that but I wanted to to go, come back mm-hmm. to something you said earlier about um about life presenting itself to you but I also just want to highlight that I think you've been incredible at building relationships and and nurturing those relationships like you are one of the few people I know that we could go anywhere and you will be out the back, like having a conversation with <laughs> I don't, like the randomest person ever. And yet it's, it's your superpower. 
And maybe as a teenager in a system, that superpower wasn't recognised. But I wonder if you could talk about how you've built your social leadership around your strengths as opposed to trying to force yourself to be someone like everyone else. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a really... Um... It's really interesting when people ask you about just how you are. I've always I've always loved people, so I don't see it as a um, like a lot of people say that to me. I'm good at building relationships and good at um, but I I I don't see that. It's just kind of who I am. I've always loved um, people, and I've always been so curious about human behaviour. So, um, actually, my first job <laughs> was. You know those people that stand on the streets and sign people up for sponsoring charities and things like that? You would have been awesome that at that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I absolutely loved it. And it, it was so funny because now I see those people and I go, I've got, oh, my God, you poor, you, you, you poor people like trying to, because um, I, I saw people coming in and out of that business. Like imagine the turnover in a, in a, um, in a business like that so it was basically I, I applied for this job thinking it was working for the charity directly because the way it was worded gave that impression save the children and plan international so I rock up to the interview and then they told me that it was um you know a marketing company that the charities are employing to do that so <laughs> next minute I was um I thought oh yeah I was 20 I thought oh yeah that that you know there were young people in the office and it's it seemed like it had a good vibe in there so I thought I'd give it a go and, um, you know, next, next week I was out in the shopping centres and it's literally, you've seen them, it's a booth and you've got to stop people and you've got to sell a concept or the, the charity and sign them up. So basically meet someone and ask them for their credit card um, and, and sign them up. I absolutely loved doing that job and I excelled at it and I didn't find it difficult at all. I loved the challenge and I loved the opportunity to um, you know, have the booth to, to meet different people. And I was totally inspired by the generosity of people that you'd meet, that they would just, you know, every time someone whipped out their credit card, I would think, oh, my goodness, this person trusts me. They've taken out their credit card. They've just met me to um, to contribute to a cause, you know, greater than themselves. So I got a lot of energy from doing that job, but I saw um, you know, every week I'd be out with different people that had just joined and then the next week they would have quit and then the next week. That... So um, I, I think it's, it, it helps to have a curiosity in um, human behaviour and I just, I've always just genuinely loved meeting different people and the more random, the more interesting Yes, so I've true. Found it's so true. I it love is, it, and it and you're is. really and, like my mentor I, in that capacity. Like I look to you as like <laughs> Steph would build that relate. Like you would just go and have that conversation, right? Like just with such curiosity and openness, and it's just such a beautiful gift. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and I I often found that the more random and the the more interesting the person was the more connected they were actually you know mm-hmm. than than the mainstream person that's got the that's got the the high paying job and i i often see people and i'm able to when i when i meet people and see people i can i can actually see and sense and i think a lot of us can we just don't know we can how covered over they are with the matrix and how free they are and how how much life force they have coming from them i can i can sense that immediately and to me, it's it's very interesting because a lot of the people I meet who are in 
um, you know, traditionally successful in society's definitions um, are not the people that have the most life force or that are living you know, close to their purpose and passion. So, um, again, I think there needs to be a massive shift there. And I remember reading a study um, from Deloitte, I think it was last year, and it was um, 89% of people in a study that they did said they're unhappy in their jobs and they're not living their passion and purpose. And I, I think that's actually an emergency. <laughs> like imagine that, that, that 89% of people are not um, satisfied or happy in their jobs. That's just crazy. Yeah, and yet we're doing it just to belong and to pretend to, yeah, to belong. And it's like no judgment there because I think that we're all in a deeply held state of survival because that's what we've been conditioned to be in. Our nervous systems are all a bit wrecked. and um, But I think about the flow and effects of that intergenerationally and what we're teaching our young people about um, passion and purpose, as you say, and it is um, it is a catastrophe if you think about it like that. But I wanted to I wanted to end um, the conversation just by, I guess, for someone that doesn't identify as a social leader, but has that burning desire that you and I both had in our teenage years just has that desire to shift something greater than oneself, what would be your advice now with all your wisdom in how to start that process? Well, I can only talk from my experience and I remember actually asking, like asking the universe, asking life, praying, um, get me back on on track show me what I need to do I just want to make a difference and I kept at it and I think if you keep at it and you put that intention out strongly into the universe it um it it will come you know you're on the path already just by doing that so to stick at it and um the the other thing I remember doing was asking my I remember um, I was out of flow for a while. I was, I was telling um, I was telling you before, Meg, that my granny passed away and it kind of got me out of flow and I was living in Sweden for two years, which um, didn't help me and, and my flow. So um, there was a period of time where I did feel like, oh, I want to get back to, to that because I knew what flow was. Um, and I remember when I was out of flow, people saying, you know, how are you when I'd catch up with friends and stuff. And I remember the feeling like I actually can't locate that feeling of how I am. I don't know if that makes sense, but it was kind of like I'd, I'd say, yeah, good. But it, I, I felt that disconnection from myself. I, could, I wasn't kind of present or grounded in my own body at that, at that stage. And um, so I remember thinking I'm going to, when I'm deciding things to do, I'm going to actually try and tune into myself and ask um, what what that answer is and I'm going to just take a second to kind of ask myself should I do this or should I do this so that was just my little way and I think everyone has their own strategies and everything of um, reconnecting and just get you know getting myself back to to flow and thinking I'm just going to take the pressure off myself and go for a walk today or do what lights me up which is you know I love painting so 
paint 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 a picture or something um listen to some good music or but I think it all starts with intention and once you start on the path things show themselves to you and I think for me it was that seminar in the Bahamas that totally connected me back up um for, for others it might be something different you know everyone's trying to tap into that um energy that's out there through yoga meditation you know all sorts of things um the trouble is that some of them you know you can be meditating for years and yes okay you might feel a bit more relaxed but actually it's um some of those things actually divert you because they're not the the actual thing that will connect you so um yeah i just i just think to to start on the path is a huge triumph and to put that intention out there and it will it will then come to you and I'm a very firm believer of if your goal is bigger than yourself if you can take yourself outside of the eye and and if you know your big goal is to make a difference in the world life will absolutely come in and give you everything you need you know it might take a while and there might be a few hurdles in the way along along the way but it's almost like life throws them at you to to test your commitment you know, so stick at it and um, it, you will meet all the people that you're meant to and you'll have all the opportunities come to you if you're on the right path because that's how it all works. Mm. It's just like I'm getting just a deep sense of relief from listening to you. <laughs> yeah, so thank you. But also just really hearing. Um, I had a client today and she was saying, and her energy was really different to the last time I spoke to her and um, she was saying that she'd found the shape of herself, you know, like she'd almost like had been wandering around because that's what we do, right? We sacrifice the sense of self to belong to the greater majority. And so in learning kind of the shape of herself again, and what her strengths were and how she wanted to express her social vision and how she felt called to connect and how she felt called to shift things, she was able to be of service. But but unless we kind of have a sense of the shape of a self or mm. <laughs> on a deeper level um, how the self is connected always, mm. then it is really hard to in air quotes, make a difference because I think you're a really beautiful example of someone who's worked to her strengths and um, overcome challenges from this place of like seeing the strength and potential. Um, But I don't think, I think that's really challenging for a lot of people when they don't know themselves. Like how do you know what you're here to offer when you don't know yourself mm. and what these innate gifts mm. that you've been given are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, you, and you don't need to be good at everything, obviously. And I think um, if you just focus on what you're good at, it, it, the world needs more um, people with the courage to create. I love that term, like the courage to step out there and, and cr- create something or put themselves but you need to connect to to who you are first and focus on the strengths and there's a lot of people willing to follow and that will get enrolled in in people's visions you know just even by the the energy the passionate energy that they're putting out so once you step out there and start creating your own thing or even joining something that you believe in it's you know it's it's all adding to the shift in the collective consciousness and you actually, because you're being different, 
um, when you are more connected to yourself, you will have that impact on others around you and others will feel like they are freer to be themselves, you know, energetically, which I, I love. I love that because it's not, it's not always what you're doing and how productive you are, but who you're being that, that makes the ultimate difference. Yeah, totally. What a beautiful note to end on. Steph, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom. Um, and do you have anything else that's coming through that you feel like you'd like to share or you feel complete in this conversation? Yeah, that, that's it, Meg. Thanks so much for having me. Beautiful.